everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And today we are going to talk all about how to break the mold and be yourself in classical music. And being yourself like while pursuing a career in classical music is so much easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Between like how much training we do and the ideas about performance practice and just like the intense pressure from like the people around us and like the things we consume, it's very, very, very difficult to just, I don't know, entirely be yourself. The idea is like we give up a lot of stuff to be successful and like classical music as a whole creates this weird funnel system, this like idea of like what the designated path if you want to be a performer and it filters people off as you go higher and higher, but it often also creates artists that are just like these weird copy pasted relics of golden age singers because that's what people think they want. Absolutely. And not only is that funnel really, really bad for the opera industry in general, it's really, you know, hard on the musicians. It's very demoralizing. It feels like, well, if I don't fit into this box, there's no space for me. Really, the opposite is true. But before we dive into that, let's go through a couple of announcements. As you guys know from our social media and from our last couple episodes, we are currently expanding our team, which has been so fun. Thank you so much to everybody who has already applied. We've been loving looking through all of those applications, and we're so excited to continue to grow operations here at Opera Offstage. We're currently looking for a writer to manage the Opera Offstage blog. We're looking for a audio editor. You don't need to have any prior experience to apply for that role, and we're looking for kind of an assistant content creator applications close this friday april 23rd probably like what midnight pst so please get your applications in by then Uh, we'll be scheduling interviews the following week and we're just been super excited and we've been really happy about all of the interest and we can't wait to work with you guys yeah i mean we would love to see as many people as possible apply we'd love to talk to you guys and Like I said, even if you're not 100% sure if you feel qualified, you should just throw in your application anyway. Totally. And also a big thank you to everyone who came to our game nights this weekend. We had a ton of fun. We we played games. We watched half of a concert. We we watched cartoon clips that include opera. We just had a good time and hung out and chat. And it it was a fun way to spend the weekend. So thank you guys for hopping in and goofing around with us. So getting back into our topic for today, being unique in classical music, once again, it's way easier said than done. But the other thing that I think, I think it's very scary to be, to stand out in any situation, but especially in music. Because when you, when you do stuff in music, like you are facing people's judgment kind of face to face. Oh yeah. They're going to let you know. know. And, and when you start to make your own choices, when you stop kind of emulating other people and you're making your own decisions like it's hard because you're being you're being challenged and like being criticized on the things you chose to do so like I don't blame anybody for thinking like yeah but I'd rather not share myself yeah it could definitely be scary to feel like you're not fitting the mold because like you said a lot of the criticism about your personal choices are literally said to your face in a master class or in your lesson or in studio class. Like, it's just, it can be very scary. But I also think, like, it's just so uncomfortable to be the odd one out, especially when you're in a school setting. Because I think that's where you feel the pressures of the funnel the most. Oh, yeah. Because you're constantly faced with comparison and seeing, like, the choices that all of the other people at your school are making and it's just I feel like especially even an undergrad like that's oh yeah 
that's like the height of it. Because you're also all singing the same music right totally, there. Totally, yeah. It's not like there's like a huge variance in, in rep or roles or anything. Like you're all kind of at the same spot. So it's it can be a tough time. Yeah. I think there's a lot in our education especially that feeds into this idea that like if you're going to be a successful singer, here is what that looks like. Here are a couple of like the big myths that we tell ourselves in classical music and that are heavily reinforced by teachers and just all of the, you know, list articles and classical singer. And I feel like everything I see kind of reinforces these ideas. Yeah. So let's dive into these big myths of the classical music industry um, that merely make us feel like we should not be individuals. And I would say myth number one is that there is any sort of correct path, body type, voice type, a perfect resume, etc. And I need to present myself as the quote unquote ideal opera singer. Y'all, let me just tell you, this belief is so, 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 so limiting and leaves out about 95% of musicians. This myth is just so incredibly detrimental to so many people. And if every singer had identical backgrounds and resumes, like, you might as well replace them with, like, literally anybody with, like, robots. It just, like, if you really buy into this ideal that there is, like, a perfect opera singer mold, and if I don't fit into that, like, I'm not on the correct path, like, goodbye. We cannot allow ourselves to continue to perpetuate this idea in 2021. Oh, yeah. That's just crazy. And like we, once again, it's one of those things where people, these are just all these little things that people will tell you. But the reality is, is all types of people make it all the time. There's no point in having real people if you aren't looking for variety. Absolutely. But also music is boring if the same like people are making it and we're not getting music from all different sorts of perspectives and life experiences and and you know from different cultures like music would just be so one-dimensional oh yeah i mean and at the end of the day if you really want to be noticed you have to be willing to stand out absolutely and in a little later in the episode we'll get into like what does it actually look like to stand out what does it actually look like to be myself and these different areas of my training and career and such. Another huge myth that we tell ourselves is, you know, well, okay, sure, maybe there isn't a correct path and whatever, body type, voice type. But if I don't fit the model opera singer box, how can I expect to get any opportunity? And I understand this because for this myth, the funnel, so to speak, is working directly against us. In many, I feel like, antiquated ways of casting and creating opportunity, we see all sorts of issues, right? This is, why we, this is literally why we created our Issues in Opera series. And I can totally understand this frame of thought. But at the same time, if you're asking yourself, like, how can I expect to get any opportunity? My answer is self-freaking advocacy. <laughs> you got to... You gotta perform the music you want to perform. And there are definitely other people out there who share your interests, who are passionate about the things that you're passionate about from issues of advocacy, from issues of just types of music to just like the way that you like to create art. Like there are other people out there who share your interests and you just have to find them and work with them 
And I wish that we didn't have an industry where we had to tell you so many times, like, if you aren't getting opportunities, you just have to create them yourself. I wish that it was just easy for everybody to get opportunity all the time. But sometimes, like, the reality is that you just have to create them yourself. And the rewarding part of that is that you're going to be creating the art that you want to create. And that's honestly the art that the rest of the world also wants and probably needs. So it it is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about being a performer is that part of it is creating the kind of industry you want to work in, even if the industry as it is doesn't really match your values. And, and the stuff that we lose out on when we are not the model opera singer isn't always the loss we think it is. Mm. I think people really overestimate the fulfillment you're going to get from doing your 800th traditional performance of Mozart. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if you have something that you're passionate about, like, that it's way more fun to start to create the things you want to create than to worry about getting approval from some group of random people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the reality is, too, that, and I, I really do mean this, you will find so much more opportunity when you begin to trust that the person you are is enough and you stop trying to conform to what other people want from you. Because a lot of times we think like, oh, they want to see this kind of person. Like, I started getting better reviews on my performances when I started believing in the choices I was making and making interesting choices that I hadn't seen other people do, even though that's the most nerve-wracking thing in the world. And when I started putting my unique perspective on what my characters were and reacting more similarly, more like how I as a human being react to things instead of what I think somebody wants to see from me. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time to trust yourself that way, but you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, you have to trust your own skill and your own natural instincts. And, you know, sometimes... Your interpretation is just like maybe not quite on the nose and that's okay. Like you can change things like nobody's like first go at anything is going to be perfect. Right. But you should all you should get to a point where you trust your natural instincts because the way that you interpret music or role, you're bringing your own life experience. You're bringing everything that it is that makes you you to that. And that is something that's unique to you. It can't be replicated by anybody else. And so you do really need to get to that point where you're not trying to conform, not only like what you said, Jesse, to what other people want from you, but what you think other people want from you. We, we have to just take that outer opinion out of the equation sometimes. And of course, like if you just go off and are just crazy radical, then yes, maybe you might be out of the mainstream and it might be a little bit more difficult. But, you know, there's a place for everybody. There's a place for all different oh, types yeah. of, of art. And it's totally okay to push the boundaries as far as you feel comfortable and as far as you feel inspired to do so. The only person you should be pretending to be is the character. Yeah. And I think this like this idea of, you know, I need to fit into the model opera singer box often really translates to how you dress. Oof. And honestly, we could do, we should probably do an entire Issues in Opera episode on just like <laughs> standards, the ridiculous standards of how you need to present yourself as a quote unquote opera singer because it's just so, so, so soul crushingly stupid. But I mean, it's like who said that pants are only for mezzos? Who said that it's wrong to wear pants at all? 
Like, who said that you can't have colorful hair or tattoos? Like, that's literally what wigs and makeup are for. Drives me crazy. Yeah, I see so many people who are, like, really, really belabor getting, I don't know, their hair dyed. And, like, it's like, just just do it. Like, if you're... If you are creating beautiful music, like, we should not be distracted by the color of your hair. That one is such a hard one for me because, like, right now I have, like, kind of a dark red, purpley kind of hair. It doesn't look too crazy and you really only see it in bright light. But I've had to, like, think about whether or not I'm going to dye it back to brown when, uh, when I start making tapes again. Which feels like such a silly thing because, obviously, if, if I got a job and somebody was like, could you dye your hair, like, back to, like, brown, black... And be like, yeah, sure. But it, it does. It, it makes you feel scared because you, of course, once again, you don't want to stand out in certain ways. You don't want to have give them any reason to reject you. And it sucks to think that that might be, even though almost always we are wearing wigs. Yeah, it's definitely an annoying line to have to walk because we're still at a point in this industry where if you have rainbow hair, which first of all, incredible, you might lose out on some opportunity. There's just some old people who are in positions of power that are just not going to be vibing with the with the rainbow hair or you know noticeable tattoos or anything like this and it's it's freaking sucks it freaking sucks and i wish i could say something better about the fact that this still is so prevalent but you also have to ask yourself well do i want to work with them <laughs> you know what i mean if they're yeah. going to criticize every single personal choice of how i express myself like do i really want like is it okay for me to be in this working environment or would i ra- maybe rather do like a more indie production or work with like a different set of people or just like put on my own thing i mean that's the thing that drives me crazy about the people on the other side of the table is so often they are like oh we want to see more of yourself like we want to see more of you and then they're like also jewel tone dresses um three quarter length sleeves <laughs> one inch heel yeah exactly and it's like no thanks <laughs> it's like okay so do you want to see who i am or no yeah I mean, we rock a jewel tone dress, but it doesn't need oh, yeah. to be the only thing that we're allowed to ever wear and like not get. Listen, I love a good jewel tone dress. I just don't want to feel forced <laughs> to choose it. Exactly. Yeah. It's just uh, the sooner we're able to get rid of this idea of that there being a model opera singer, <laughs> the better our industry will be. Another like really big thing that I see a lot: the myth that there is a correct way to perform a piece, and I think like this is natural in that. We have recordings, and so we always talk about the idea of a definitive recording. But the reality is, is like, music is meant to be different every time a new performer takes it on. And, like, the best performances are ones that only that person could give. Like, the one only you could give is far more important than being identical to what you would consider the definitive recording. And also... Whatever we've decided is the definitive recording, because even that is entirely subjective. So many of these arias and pieces have been around for hundreds of years. There probably was a different and maybe better one before we started recording things. There will be a better one that comes after the one that we considered the definitive recording. We can't get hung up on... on what's kind of just called golden age syndrome which is belief that like the best time period for something has passed there are better singers and composers and uh instrumentalists and everything born every single day absolutely yeah i also think that like definitive recordings are very helpful 
in that they, you know, perhaps show you proper, like a, a very, very solid example of diction of, you know, general ideas about interpretation, general ideas about phrasing and, you know, style. But everything else is totally up to <laughs> interpretation. Yeah. And that is what can never be recreated. And that's what's so exciting every time you go to see live music or you discover a new recording on Spotify that makes a piece feel new again. And if we only indulge in these definitive recordings, then it's kind of stale in a way, at least long term. So there really is no correct way to perform a piece. Obviously, you got to make sure that the basis of the music is correct. But in terms of interpretation, in terms of like you bringing your own to a piece, there's no correct way. It's different every single time. So those are kind of some big three myths that I feel like a lot of us struggle with. They're definitely things that I've struggled with in trying to pursue a education in classical music and then a career. You know, I've taught voice lessons before and it's something that I see in, in other singers, even outside genres and so it's just I think something that we all struggle with and I think really the thing that we want to hit home on is that individuality is so important and like we said earlier it can feel super scary to try and be your own person in something as old school in something with so many issues like classical music but here's here's just the fact you guys (laughs) is that in an industry that is constantly reviving the same productions over and over again the only thing that's new consistently new is you absolutely it's you as an artist we can do mozart until freaking the year 4000 god willing that we literally make it to like 2050 but like <laughs> even, even god willing we make it anywhere close <laughs> but if we were you know, we'd probably still be doing some good old Mozart. We'd probably still be doing some good old Bellini. Some of these these Puccinis. Yeah, we, we got we love our, our boy Ver- Verdi. But like the only thing that's ever going to consistently be 100% new is you as an artist bringing everything that is you to a production or to a concert or to an orchestra. It's the only thing that you can rely on to be 100% new. And that is so exciting. And that is so empowering. And I think we struggle to put ourselves so much in the box because that is what we are forced to believe that that's what we need to do. But what if we just got rid of that belief? What if we were just like, no, opera industry, you need to just conform to me. Or this small corner of the opera industry has to conform to me. Amazing. Imagine the kinds of music and the types of productions and the types of like literally freaking organizations that are actually built to help young artists. Like imagine what we would be able to create if we just refused to believe in this idea that we all have to be the same cookie cutter ideal musician. And if you're a person who like you look at yourself and you think like, yeah, but I'm not special. I'm not different. I'm not unique. You are. I promise. I promise I've I've never met two people who are truly the same. And you may not feel like you stand out in the world of like wherever you are right now, but you are you are the creation of like hundreds of thousands of these tiny little experience and choices that do make you unique and make what you bring to the stage unique. They make your experience of the world and your view of the world different from anyone else's. And that's what makes a performance special is watching someone 
bring their unique worldview and share it with you. Well said, Jesse. I'm like, that's that's what makes like a really special performance. Like, and, and the, the the other thing that I hear a lot is like when people talk, especially especially when singers are talking about this. But when when we talk about making a performance your own, it's easy to view that as being like a selfish thing. Like, oh, I want this to be about me and my choices and my things. But I, it really isn't because the whole thing about being an individual and making your own choices is like an audience, an audience wants to be taken in and surprised and they want to be let in on the secret. That's what any audience really wants. And that means being vulnerable on stage and being vulnerable means being yourself or at least making your own choices, sharing that little piece of you with the audience. Because there's nothing more special than when you connect with an audience in that way, and they feel like they've been let in on something either they weren't supposed to see or, like, they normally wouldn't get to see. Like, that's that's that really special moment you share. Yeah, and I, I, I have a little... I have a little moment <laughs> I'd like to, to spend. <laughs> uh, a petite of- moment. <laughs> yes. Sorry, what an, a weird way to introduce something. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the way that we view these, like, A-list artists, suppose, like, as we call them. And that, like, I think we sense, spend so much time listening to them and, like, following along with their origin story and, like, really trying to emulate them because we're like, well, they followed the perfect path because look where they ended up. I think what we forget is that the reason we love them is because of their unique qualities and artistry. Any A-list artist or like your favorite singer or your favorite instrumentalist or director, conductor, yada yada, they haven't reached some unattainable height in music. Like they they're just people and we go to them because we can't experience what they have to offer from anyone else. There are lots and lots and lots of talented people in their same field. But we go to them, the people and artists that we love to listen to, because there's something that we get from them that we're just not going to find from the, any other artist. And that's type of same magical quality that we find about these singers and artists that we love exists in artists at all levels. So true. We're all looking and appreciating their individuality. And we can do the same for those who are in undergrad. We can do the same for those who just left grad school who are doing their first YAP program. Like that same type of magic exists in all of us. And we would be so much better to just really embrace that quality. I mean, it would all just be so much more interesting, you know? Maybe the outside world wouldn't think that we're a dying industry. (laughs) (laughs) Rip. Imagine. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. I think when, and this is just a, a personal hot take, I'm also going to have a moment. <laughs> Momentito. I don't think that like music school is a bad thing, but I think the reality of like bureaucracy and academics is that it does create cookie cutters because that's what's most efficient is to try and mold people. And I think you know, they try to mold people into the shape of what a successful musician looks like, except for when you mold somebody into something, there's going to be multiple of them. And success isn't built on just being good. It's built it's built on offering something unique. And I think I think sometimes the reality of how we teach music is detrimental to our industry <laughs> because all of music is built on innovation. 
Yeah, well, when you're convincing yourself that you have to fit into a mold, you don't really want to take the risk of having or expressing your own thoughts about art, your own thoughts about how you think this role should be portrayed or how you should play your solo with orchestra. Like, you're just like, well, this is what I've been taught. This is what the masterclass teacher told me. Like, this is what my voice teacher tells me. Like, I need to do this, that and the other. And it's like, no. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the you day. You have to share your thoughts. You have to be a human who has opinions and and life experiences that inform those opinions. All the success in the world will not matter if, like, you gave up everything you are to get there. Because at the heart of performance, to me, is a desire to share something and communicate it with others. And when we give up ourselves, we can't communicate that anymore. And I think you see it even in people who eventually left the industry, who, you know, achieved success and then realized that they didn't care. That they were just kind of walking along a path that, like, was made for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you see this in the recording industry, too. Like, for pop artists and rock artists who are basically branded by a manager, same they they were kind of branded by the opera industry, and they become something that they're not really at heart, and you're kind of just keeping up this persona. And people can only do that for so long. Oh, I mean, just think about how much, and this is a bit of a different scenario, but think about how much it wrecks child actors. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is is that success is meaningful when you achieve the thing you actually want to achieve, not when you achieve success defined by someone else. But we've given so many, many things, but we haven't really gotten into what does it even look like to be yourself? Because I remember when people used to tell me, like, just be yourself. And I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't I'm know what that means. <laughs> I'm still figuring out what that, what it, what it do. <laughs> <laughs> What that no. Jesse do? <laughs> gosh darn it! Oh um, gosh. Yeah, but like, what? It, it's easy to say, like, be yourself, and you're like, okay, but what does that even mean? Especially in scenarios like school, where we're, you know, not entirely in control, or like your career, where yeah, you want to be yourself, but you also have to get work, you know. So we're gonna break it down. We're gonna talk about school and practice and performance and your career, and especially your social media. We're going to talk a little bit about all of those and what it means to to look like yourself. So starting with school, I would say like one of the biggest things is advocate for the music you want to sing. And I mean in your personal repertoire, but I also even mean with your operas and masterworks. Like, don't be afraid to talk to your directors and stuff and be like, oh, like, what are we thinking about? Like, obviously, don't be pushy. But like, all of my teachers have always been super excited to people see people engaged with the kind of music they'd like to be performing. Absolutely. And I know when you first start out, it is super... Like, I I was so new to classical music when I started my undergrad degree. I literally don't know that I had seen anything outside of... Listen, I only own the 24 Italian art songs. Listen, you were doing better than I am, okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> Me entering with my one poorly chosen aria. Jesse, oh, I you, only had my queen. one art song. You were thriving. <laughs> I only had the one art song at the time. We were we were truly the same. But anyway, I know it can be super daunting when you first start out and you you're like, oh, here's the these 85 anthologies and like you're just trying to figure it out. But choosing your own rep and being passionate about the kind of music you want to sing and exploring what kind of music you might want to sing is like a huge step in becoming your own artist. And you can always ask your teacher like, hey, which collection might be a good starting point? Or like, is there a composer you think might have 
like really interesting art songs. Like you can get suggestions at first, but I, I really encourage you to like go and start exploring and start realizing like, oh, you know, because now now it's like an, an older artist. <laughs> now that I'm ancient. Like I do, I think all the time about recitals I'd like to put on and the kind of music I'd like to perform and, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, and I think we can sometimes feel stuck because I know at least for any sort of recital that I've had to give within the confines of school, there are pretty, I mean, I guess depending on your institution, you definitely have boundaries on, you know, eras that you have to cover, languages, perhaps even composers, but you can have a lot of fun with it. Like you don't just have to be singing foray and you know like these main pillars in in our little oh. art song rep like have i love when it. people break out a chamber piece i yeah, love do, when people do, use interesting instruments yes in their recitals do that sing in other outside languages i have never done a recital where i didn't include some sort of spanish language piece or set like do some freaking Czech or Russian like whatever gets you excited do it make it work talk to your teacher and 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 get it to work and like I said I don't know why I used foray as an example but like you know there are so many other interesting French art songs that aren't necessarily going to be you know on your colleagues recitals and that that can be really fun and makes honestly recital season a lot more interesting oh yes if not for if not for yourself for us um (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're really getting at (laughs) yeah we're what i'm saying is like listen be yourself to be yourself but also be yourself because if you try to be someone else you're boring me (laughs) and that's my real issue If you're a crossover artist, if you're someone who also likes to sing pop or rock or musical theater rep, don't be afraid to ask your teacher to be able to sing some of those in your lessons. Most teachers will do musical theater rep. If they're not comfortable teaching pop or rock, that's fine. But like, don't let people talk you out of of being a crossover artist if that's what you're passionate about. I see it happen all the time. And I got to tell you, as soon as you get out of school, you're going to end up doing a lot more things than just opera. So I personally say, keep up with it if it's what you're passionate about. And like also sometimes schools, even if they don't, even if your classical teacher isn't super comfortable, sometimes schools do have teachers who are more trained in musical theater or more trained in pop or rock. A lot of people in my grad school, for example, would take lessons with one of the classical teachers and with the teacher who taught musical theater. And it was great. So be willing to negotiate and navigate that to keep up with your interests. Yeah. And I think being yourself also like ties into just putting your own performances on, you know, especially early in your career when you're still in school, you may not have as much performance opportunity as you want. Um, So grab some friends and put on a small recital, even if it's just for other friends. And I always find this interesting because I actually just had a conversation with somebody about this recently where I think that we kind of feel like putting on your own performance is like I guess for lack of a better word, like cringy, where you're like, oh, I don't want to do that because then I'm like, it's like I'm exposed. You know what I mean? Like maybe you feel like, well, I didn't. I I've been put exposed. On my own. Well, I like, like to perform and I've been exposed. <laughs> but you know what like, I mean? what is then you have to do all of the marketing yourself. Like you therefore have responsibility to make this thing work. And sometimes like being apprehensive just feels like ooh, I don't want to put on like a Facebook recital that feels kind of weird or like ew like maybe I don't want to perform at this outside venue because like I have these (laughs) dreams of being like super professional like it's just baby steps I believe it but it's like you're dating the audience at this point 
It's like, I want them to know I'm interested in performing, but like, I don't want them to think I'm too interested in performing. Yeah, that's totally it. And it's like, wait, what? What does that even mean? But so many people feel that way. And like, it's, I feel that way sometimes where it's like, yeah, I would love to put out like blips of me singing on my social media. And then I'm like, ooh. Like, oh, wait, hold on. I'm the <laughs> you know worst I mean? about it. I still feel that way, I, like, all the time. And yet here I am freaking preaching to myself. But, like, you're never going to get a group of friends together, do a recital or do, like, a, a scenes program then be like, well, oops, that was a mistake. Like, you're going to be like, oh, that was fun. Like, let's do it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just got to create your own opportunities. And, so, like, you know, sometimes you have to take the initiative to do that. And starting a small scenes program with alternate directors or just, like, it's so fun to me to truly collaborate with other people. Like, I love, I love the collaboration that comes with opera. Even if I don't agree with somebody's interpretation of, like, what I should be doing in a scene or something, like, you have the opportunity to talk about it. And you have the opportunity to share ideas. And that's where you as a person can really bring yourself to the table. And say, like, these are my thoughts. And, like, I feel comfortable sharing them with you. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, that's how we create art. And the more you put on your own performances and allow or, like, just create that environment so that you're able to have that experience is really, really valuable. Even if you don't think that you want to be a director, student directing, like, was really helpful for me. It'll give you a lot of perspective in terms of what directors actually want from you when you are directing someone else. Because you realize then what you wish your actors were giving it's just really really good perspective the other thing is like take classes that aren't in your discipline they can be the kind of normal adjacent classes that we sometimes think about like acting and dance and art and theater things that we think of but it can also be like way outside Uh, you could be in business classes if that's your passion you could be in film classes all of these things marketing classes All of these things can be used in your field, but even if you have some passion that's not really necessarily going to be useful, or at least you don't think so yet, I would urge you to take it because getting out of music and getting perspective on your world is so important. And so don't let anyone tell you that you're a a bad person if you decide to take some classes outside of your discipline. Yeah, all your life experiences and all your knowledge, whether it relates to music or you think it relates to music or not, like informs you as an artist and informs you as a human. Also, regardless of whether or not you're passionate about business or marketing, like you should totally take those classes anyways, because they will (laughs) help you. (laughs) Uh, That's something I definitely regret not doing in undergrad when I had all these like random credits that I could spend. I'm really, really annoyed with myself that I didn't take some sort of business or marketing 101 course because save yourself some time if you're still in undergrad or grad school. Take those classes because uh, it's just so much more time consuming to try and learn that on your own in your own free time after you're out of school. So just (laughs) force yourself to sit in a class and learn and just be a sponge. Be a sponge. Be a sponge. Yeah, but so many of the classes I ended up taking came back when we started opera off stage. It was really handy. Right? Um, Because I took a a bunch of art classes and it helped me a lot with editing stuff and it helped me a lot with learning new software. And yeah. Yeah. So you never know. And it's really, really good to be a well-rounded person. And I also think it keeps you sane. Very, very true. Because I think the reason a lot of musicians turn out similar, too, is like we increasingly insulate ourselves with other musicians. So get out. Talk to other people. Touch some grass. (laughs) 
I better uh, see everyone listening to this podcast just freaking rolling around in the grass. <laughs> the Tag dream. us in your Instagram story. I need to see you out enjoying the sunshine. Okay. That's what I need. That's my favorite um, thing when people are like, go touch some grass, please. I beg of you. And you're like, wait, yes. When's the last time I touched grass? And finally, don't, don't, don't let your teachers bully you into becoming another copy-pasted good singer. And like, this is easily the hardest one because our teachers are the people we trust with our success. And they do often have our best interest at heart. But remember sometimes that your teachers are preparing you for an industry that they may not have been in for 15, 20, 30 years. A lot of times our teachers are older and that doesn't mean they know nothing. But that means that you have to trust yourself a little more when you hear something and you know it's not true for the world we're living in now. (laughs) Because it's so easy to take every teacher's word as gospel truth that you have to change your body or your hair or how masculine or feminine you are or your interests or you have to stop, you know, singing this type of music so you can be successful here. But it is more of a tragedy to lose your uniqueness. And the thing that they're talking about might have been true when they were making it. But you have to really think about whether you you think that's true now. 100%. Take all the advice you receive with a big old heap and grain of salt. And you could think of this advice the same way that we talk about criticism of just take what you can use and dump the rest. Oh, yeah. You don't have to fight your teacher or anything. But I'm just saying, like, exactly what you said. Take it all with a grain of salt. Know yourself. And and know your self-worth. And know your boundaries. Like, somebody can tell you, like, hey, you should change this. And you can be like, hmm, appreciate your advice, but, like, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. that just does not resonate with me. But, like, thanks for telling me. And just move on. I think another big way that we can exercise being ourself is in practice and performance. And that comes primarily in making your own choices and, like, owning your mistakes. Oh, yeah. And this, I think this partially goes back to like our whole definitive recording conversation, like especially early on when you are just so uncertain of your own choices, like we listen to recordings and we get ideas and everything. And it's so easy to be like, well, you know, Deanna Damrow sings this great. I should just sing it like she does. (laughs) They're the professionals. Like, you know, why wouldn't I do what they do? Except for like they are, once again, they are the professionals because they make their own choices. And so do you. You have to. Because nobody wants to hear your best rendition of, like, Beverly Sills' Violetta or Juan Diego Flores' Nemorino. Like, they want to hear and see you. Because you'll never do Beverly Sills' Violetta as well as Beverly Sills does. Because she's tailored that performance to her. And you have to tailor yours to you. Honestly, self-discovery and and choice is the only way to really create honest performances. Performances where you feel connected to it. Yes. And uh, bring yourself on stage. Don't hide the things that make you yourself. Lots of people have little unique things. Like maybe you've got like that one eyebrow raise or like a little eyebrow waggle. You've got your maybe you're like a really aggressive hand talker or you've got like dance training. And so the way you move is super graceful. But whatever it is that like is kind of special about you, don't be afraid to highlight those things and like take full advantage of who you are. Like don't try to to hide the fact that you walk kind of like a dancer because, well, other people aren't dancers, so they don't walk like that. So now I feel like I look weird. No, it's cool. It, it's beautiful. There's something so interesting about like seeing those little pieces of somebody. So it, whatever your things are, highlight them. 
Use every tool you've got. And if you're not sure what your things are yet, if you're not sure if you're, you know, more graceful or maybe you're more like a slapstick comedy kind of physical comedy person or, you know, maybe you're just very like calm in your body or what, whatever it is, whatever you're, if you're not sure what your things are, just experiment. You know, we find our style by trying on a bunch of different hats and then seeing which one, you know, works. So if you're sitting there once again, I'm thinking like, I don't have my unique thing. I don't have that category I feel like I fit into. Well, you're at the most exciting stage yet. You're just going to try all sorts of things and then it'll change. You'll change the type of person and performer you are. Like that, it's just constant exploration and discovery. But whatever you come across, whatever you find to use, I I just urge you to use it and highlight it. Totally. And then I would say also in your career, we're, we're faced with this kind of awkward situation where it's like, yes, I understand if you are afraid to break the mold, so to speak, and be yourself and are worried about, you know, well, how can I make a career out of that? If I'm perhaps like me being myself means like, I'm so far removed from what we currently think of like the ideal way I should look or present or music I should perform. Like, what do I do then? But we just got to find the opportunities that match your career goals, whether, you know, you want to do choral work, solo work, opera, chamber music, you have to start exploring and find what fulfills you and not just generally seek out some idea of what success should be yeah and i think that's just a big question of knowing yourself because like i said sometimes people are shocked that they you know do opera and they realize you know what i don't really like opera and they they really love choral music you know it's whatever place you find yourself in just trust yourself and the things you like and pursue them unabashedly choral music (laughs) solo work opera chamber music whatever it is just go all in on it you don't have to be an opera singer to be a good singer. <laughs> I bet I meet too many people in opera who don't want to be there. <laughs> That's so real. That is so, so, so real. Where people think that, like, if you want to do classical music, then that therefore means opera. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to really love opera to do opera. Like, that has to be the thing that you're super passionate about. And if that's not your passion, that's so okay. Like, you don't have to be going through and doing opera if you don't want to. If you want to be a recitalist or you want to mainly work in in choral works or, like, do solo works or, like, early music or something totally outside of opera. Like, you don't have to fit the Mozart Puccini box if that's not what you want to do. Yeah. And truthfully, if you don't want to do it, then you're probably not going to do it super well anyway. So you might as well just do something you're passionate and good at. Exactly. Stop wasting your own time. Don't waste your own time, honey. <laughs> and like, don't be afraid to step and try things outside of the music funnel altogether. Like, once again, we all feel like we're on this dumb prescribed path of like, well, I've got to check all these things off so I can put them on my resume so I can get hired for more jobs for more things that I'm not even sure I want to do. But like, don't be afraid to do small yaps or unknown festivals or new works concerts or whatever else like has has interested in you just because a big name isn't attached to it like just because it's not on the list of yaps that will get you to the next level doesn't mean it's a waste of time and working on small projects and working on new works and working on things that matter to you will be more fulfilling in the long run and they will teach you more about yourself absolutely and i would say one of the biggest ways that you can be your own person in your career is By never being afraid to advocate for what you believe in. Because if you have, you know, issues in the opera world or outside that are really, really important to you and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can make a career and also still be public about 
these thoughts that I have. Like, if you're afraid afraid of losing work because of what you stand for as a human being, like that work or those types of people are not the kinds of like places or people that you want to be working with in the first place. Those people are five years out from getting canceled. You don't even want to be associated. <laughs> exactly. So that's why you just don't waste your time. Yeah. <sighs> Stay away. And if you, let me just say this, because we're talking about, like, all these alternative, if you are just, like, someone who's, like, but what if I, like, unironically just love Mozart and Puccini and, like, all I want to do is perform the classics with an opera house, like, the traditional career path? That's awesome. As long as that's what you want, go for it. Yeah, that's great. We're talking about alternatives paths because sometimes that's a lot trickier to figure out when you step outside of the norm. But if, like, the norm is your passion, don't feel bad about it. Like, good for you. (laughs) Good for you. We still need you. Huzzah. Huzzah. And then in closing, I would say uh, you have a lot of leeway with what you're able to accomplish uh, with your social media presence. I would say that this is probably one of the ways that you can really exercise your musical beliefs, interests, um, non-music beliefs and interests and uh, things that you care about. But I would say like aside from that, one of the greatest things about social media is that you can connect with people around the world like crazy. So if you're feeling really alone in your artistic goals, like, or you just don't really feel like you have an artistic community that shares your core values or the way that you think about art, like, just spend some time searching for different communities because there are so many artists, there's so many companies and so many organizations that are out there, you know, have all of these different missions to bring music to their audiences that are honestly, like, without sounding cheesy are just like waiting for you to find them. Just use social media to connect with people. It's one of the best things that you can use social media for, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that really is the beauty of social media is like if you have niche interests, that's where you're going to find your people. And once again, it can be really tricky and scary to just like put yourself out there, um, especially online where it feels like people can be very judgmental. But I promise you, like, you're going to be surprised by how much good can come from it. And how many interesting people you'll meet and how much more at home you can feel. And the other big thing, and this was a big thing for me as I've been like very slowly and like kind of a goal for 2021 is transitioning a lot of my social media to more professional. But professional doesn't mean boring. Like there are definitely pieces of things that I I will take off my social media over the course of this year. But being professional doesn't mean that like you erase yourself and you use nothing but corporate buzzwords. (laughs) In your captions, you can absolutely share your interests and hobbies and who you are as a person and make cute posts and all of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you want to learn more about social media, that was one of the first episodes that we covered. I think it's episode like six or something where we talk all about, you know, balancing, you know, if I have a professional music page that I want to use as an extension of my website, as an extension of my resume, as my like digital business card. How do I navigate that? Go check out that episode. We've also got a really lovely packet that Michelle wrote up that's in our shop. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. What do I use to? (laughs) You've forgotten about it. (laughs) That you can use to help understand, like, what is a professional social media account kind of look like and how do I transition it? Because a lot of a lot of transitioning professional is like just a little small tweaks on what are still personal posts. You don't have to put on a persona. And you shouldn't. Totally. You should still be yourself. Yeah, everything in moderation when it comes to social media. 
I love seeing pictures of people's dogs, okay? That's the content that I'm honestly really coming for. So, We're all here for dog pics no, and nothing else. Thank you. Yeah, no reason you can't sprinkle that throughout your thrilled to announces or your whatever, your your production photos. Like, we like to see that people are humans. humans. <laughs> and aren't, like, don't only exist on a stage or in a rehearsal room. Like, we're interested to know what you... <laughs> I simply cease to be when I leave the rehearsal room. Honestly, some people's Instagrams are like that. And it's like, awesome. I also love to see that. But I want to know you. I want to know you as a person as well. And so social media is a great place. Share kind of all facets of yourself and also to connect with others. Yeah. So I, I hope this episode helps people. And I hope it helps you figure out how to kind of find yourself again. Because I think... The greatest part of like getting older as an artist, like once again, I'm not that old, but it, <laughs> once you're out of Jesse. school, like time moves in a weird way. But getting into grad school was like where I regained a lot of my sense of self as a performer. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me. And it's part of the reason I'm still in classical music. And I just want that for everyone because there's nothing cooler than seeing someone be themselves when they perform. And there's nothing cooler than seeing that unique take. And when somebody kind of starts to come into their own as, a, as an artist, like it's the most exciting thing in the world to watch. And I just want to see that for people. And I want to see, I, I, I want to see all the unique perspectives of all the people that are in our audience because I've seen your Instagrams. I've seen, you know, I when you met, when you talk to us, like we click on your profile and we see you guys or you come to the parties or you you know and we talk to you and I can tell you're all such wonderful and interesting and unique people and I want everyone else to see that and you're performing the people in our audience are so freaking cool (laughs) you really all are like it's insane to me sometimes when we talk to you guys we're like what the heck why do they listen to us (laughs) they're so cool they should start a podcast like we love to see it and that's what makes being in music so fun and fulfilling is that Everybody's different. Everybody ha- creates their own art and has own, their own perspective on how we create art. And I think really just embracing that is what brings healthy dialogue and brings really cool productions and really innovative ways that we can experience and perform music. And those are all things that we need so much more of right now like not only just as a classical music and a music industry in general but as like an a world audience as a whole we just need that little magic oh yeah so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you don't mind if you guys are in the apple podcasts app or you are listening in spotify but have access to the apple podcasts app please go and leave us a little written review it helps us you know get found and discovered by more people and grows our audience and helps support our mission to just bring community to young artists and new resources so share it with a friend share it with other students at your school we love interacting with you guys so never be afraid to reach out to us on our socials you can find us at opera offstage pretty much everywhere our main hub is instagram but you can reach out to us on facebook twitter tiktok youtube the whole gambit Um, And then don't forget, if you're interested in joining the Opera Offstage team as a writer, a content creator, or an audio editor, be sure to get those applications to us on our website, opera-offstage.com slash join our team by this Friday, April 23rd. And thanks for hanging with us, guys. We will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.